God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, we launched our Substack yesterday. We did our first show and put it up on Substack. And it's scottadamshow.substack.com. And uh, what we're doing uh, is uh, we're, we're running, uh, we're basically putting out uh, a feeler, you know, in terms of requests for subscri- subscribing to the Substack, uh, because I'm going to start writing. I'm, I never really had too much time in the day, especially with my illness. So doing a lot more writing and I have a few outlets that I'm going to be pu- publishing my work. Um, and so that's, uh, kind of exciting, uh, because a lot of people were saying, you know, I didn't catch your show. Um, but it would be nice to know what your thoughts were on the subject. And what's nice about the articles that we're going to be putting together is they're going to be a reflection of the show. So what we're saying is, is that if you subscribe today, uh, you're going to be grandfathered out for the remainder of the year when the premium section uh, starts to, to get more content. And what that's going to be is that uh, everybody that's in our mailing list is going to automatically become a premium subscriber up until a certain point. Uh, We're estimating that that's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, March and April. And then uh, we're going to be taking in. And then after that, if you want to have access to uh, my video blog, uh, which is going to be a video presentation of the show, uh, but it's not going to be an hour. It's going to be like a five, ten minute vignette uh, talking about the important topics of the show. And that's going to be in a video. Um, and so I'm going to give a video presentation of that. I'm also going to be doing some video announcements and presentations and Zoom conferences and things like that through uh, our nonprofit arm, buglecall.org and magapack.org as the executive director over there. So... 
Not only am I the executive director at magapac.org, um, and we're going to be doing some uh, exciting new things in the uh, summer, spring, summer, and fall uh, there, but also the Scott Adams Show is going to start getting into the writing uh, mix and becoming uh, more of a uh, information that we can archive what we're saying here. Um, so that's it. So uh, be sure to check out scottadamshow.substack.com and sign up. Sign up and subscribe so you could become a premium member for free. There's no uh, premium button right now. It's easily something we could just check a box and add it. Uh, but we really don't have a lot of premium content right this moment. But throughout the course of the year, we're going to have a lot. We're going to do a lot, and it's going to be an exciting year. My health is getting back um, getting back on my feet, and I'm still seeing a physical therapist, and I'm still you know, suffering from some nerve damage and some other stuff, but I'm getting back on my feet. I'm able to go to the gym um, and, uh, and go and do things that normal people do for a change, and that's kind of a nice thing. Um, all right, so today uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the military-industrial complex, globalism. Uh, we're going to listen to Tucker's Open. He talks about Zelensky. And, you know, it's interesting, the, the media that we see coming out, of, uh, coming out of the media, you know, the corporate media, uh, it's all one way. It's, it's all Russia bad, Ukraine good. And that's fine in, in one sense, you could say. But, but it w- would be nice to hear some balance. It would be nice to hear the alternative view, uh, see what they're saying. The only way I, you know, as, an, as a former athlete, like a wrestler, incidentally, wrestling is a big thing this week. The NCAA championships start Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the NCAA wrestling championships on ESPN. Um, so check that out if you want to check and take in some great wrestling, college wrestling that is. Um, but you you always want to know what your uh, opponent is doing and adversaries. You can learn from it. And you know what I find? I found this. I was sitting watching some news and I was watching the, uh, it was all one-sided. It was all Putin bad, Klitschko's are good, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember when the Klitschko's were were basically talking about globalism and new world order and getting into the European Union and being a shield uh, for the euro and all these other things. And I thought that doesn't jive well with me. I don't I don't like it. The last time I heard a person mention the new world order, you know, it was someone connected with the world, the military industrial complex. And the same people that are perpetuating this view on Ukraine and this view on Russia are the same people that have been saying Putin's bad or I looked in his soul and I saw his eyes, whatever. You know, just a bunch of BS. They're just a bunch of orchestrating a a ruse. And the biggest and easiest and most profitable thing you could do, the biggest and easiest way to fleece the country of its money and redistribute the wealth from the middle class to the people that have never run a business like Lindsey Graham is to start a war. 
You know, uh, I uh, just posted this thing. It's uh, Jay Kofer Black. Kofer Black left. He's pictured in this picture on my social media. And Robert Richer helped design the Afghan Afghanistan military campaign that toppled the Taliban. And this is back, this was written in Barron's in 2007. And I was thinking about it and I was saying, wow, so not only do they come off like patriots, but they fleece, they fleece your pockets while you're at, while they're at it. And this is the way the globalists think. Like Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Because there's always an opportunity. In fact, the Clintons have made their whole life greed. They've made their whole profit margin from that. Haiti comes to mind. And now we're finding out that the pastor that Bill Clinton was, was photographed with and allianced with just got busted for sex trafficking of children just recently, just the other day, uh, a couple of days ago. And there's Bill Clinton pictured with this pastor. And this pastor is uh, a sex trafficker of children. But he starts a uh, foundation, some sort of foundation in Haiti, helping all the little children. We're going to help you. How about Time's Up? Time's Up was run by Tina Chen. And Tina Chen is the chief of staff for Michelle Obama. And she's good friends, childhood friends, with Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor of Chicago when Jussie Smollett did his thing. Jussie Smollett, who's now rotting and sitting in jail, saying he didn't do it and he's not going to off himself. But Jussie Smollett was good friends with Kamala Harris and Kamala Harris was good friends with Kim Fox and Kim Fox is the DA in Chicago and Kim Fox was directly connected with Tina Chen and Tina Chen's connected with the Obamas and Rahm Emanuel's connected with the Obamas and Rahm Emanuel's wife and Tina Chen are childhood friends and she started this thing called Time's Up. And it was all about protecting women in Hollywood who were sexually harassed. And then Harvey Weinstein comes along. We find out that Time's Up was basically used as a filter to try to get like a magnet, really. A magnet to get the people that were going to rat out the big Hollywood execs and blacklist them. Because when Harvey Weinstein came about, Tina Chen and her Time's Up organization were on the wrong side of history. They were supporting Harvey Weinstein's money and assets and um, and all the all the the interests of Hollywood, and not the and not the victims. And by the way, Nike is also responsible for paying off Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee in the NFL. Somehow he had to get rewarded for his social justice crimes. 
just like Jesse Smollett, social justice crimes, ended up putting Avenatti in jail. Avenatti got paid off by Nike too because Nike wanted TPP in the worst way and Nike was joined at the hip with Barack Hussein, Obama, who now has COVID. So go figure that one. And um, and they, they had these big events where they were pushing this globalist thing because there's nothing better than for Nike to get their sneakers made for two cents a, uh, you know, a couple of bucks and charge $150 to, uh, to their mar- target market, which is poor black kids wanting to, sp- you know, uh, converting them in, manipulating their minds. And you better believe that they learned all about mind control through marketing, which is a social science. And they learned all about it. And I happen to know this firsthand, that that's how it works, that marketing is a social science and that there's all kinds of studies of human behavior associated with marketing to get people to behave a certain way. And they've worked with little jelly beans and uh, colorful beans and stuff and beads and they figured out ways to display in different different techniques and look observed human behavior it's a social science it involves ethnography and all kinds of different things demographics socioeconomics color colors they remember that the, they used to talk about why they would paint the mcdonald's brown and yellow such ugly colors because they didn't want you wait, staying there too long. They wanted you to eat and get out. And they, they found that the color pink would uh, take, take people in the penitentiary and, and, and calm them down and make them less aggressive. And they found that brown and yellow would actually get people to want to leave the environment subconsciously. Or, or they would position the ice in a Coca-Cola commercial to look like a very attractive woman, to make it look even more appealing than it actually is. It's this mind control that they do on you. And people with uh, people at the lower end of the spectrum, people who are poorer, tend to be manipulated easier. Their brains aren't developed fully. They're not fully with it. That's why their lot in life is, you know, anybody really, who's lazy, doesn't apply themselves, doesn't pull themselves up from their bootstraps, doesn't get out. Even even the elites, the Vanderbilts, you know, I, I think it's true for them too. These people that are privileged, if you look at something like uh, uh, the great Gats- Gatsby, F. Scott, Fitz- F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, and you look at, you know, how savvy some of the middle class people that were up and coming and how easily they can impress these people that never worked a day in their life and had a silver spoon in their mouth. But the globalism is real and the military industrial complex is real. And Nike participating in payoffs of Colin Kaepernick or, or Avenatti is real. I think that in the Avenatti case, 
it was Obama that uh, it was it was Garagos and Avenatti that were working on behalf of Jesse Smollett in Chicago. And then when it, when it t- came time for Avenatti to get paid off, he was given a cushy job to get to do an audit, a financial audit as a, an attorney. And he shook him down. And that's where he went awry. He uh, was desperate for cash. He was in debt over his eyeballs. And he ended up extorting Nike. And Nike took him to task. And they just got rid of him. Nike, Avenatti thought he was more important than he actually was. He never realized that he was being used like a worker mule. But I remember all the mainstream media saying, he's Trump's worst nightmare and He's going to run for president one day and we take him seriously. The mainstream media has gotten it wrong every single step of the time. Avenatti was great. The Russian hoax was real. 17 intelligence agencies couldn't possibly be wrong. 97% of the climate scientists couldn't possibly be wrong. And so therefore, um, it must be so. And they hide under the shield and the cloth of, of scientists that they've paid off. It turns out these scientists pee, pee and go to the bathroom just like you do. Uh, and just because they have an academic background doesn't make them any smarter than you are. And believe me, I know firsthand because where my doctors got it wrong with regard to my spine and the reason why my spine needed surgery and the reason why I got an infection in my spine was because my doctors, the specialists, the orthopedic surgeons, the, the primary care physicians, everybody dismissed what I said. I said I have a spinal infection. They said, you do not. Believe it when I tell you that was ridiculous because it ended up almost taking my life last year. And uh, it, was, it was their fault. I paid them for a contractual agreement that says they're going to give me good medical advice. And in turn, uh, they breached their contract, they, their trust. But I've not run into too many doctors that have really enlightened me or told me things I didn't know already about myself. And that sometimes you do know best about what's going on inside your own body what's going on inside your own mind, or perhaps even what you see in real life. And that you should not be manipulated by the mainstream media. The mainstream media that's telling us every day that the Russian hoax is real, that climate change is real, while they go out and buy beachfront properties that's supposed to be underwater by now. And the banks and the underwriters are investing more and more in beachfront properties. And where are all the hurricanes and things that happened under Trump that are not happening now? I actually believe that they even control the weather with the science that they have. But the impeachment hoax allowing a country like Ukraine and a small little man like Zelensky, a corrupt man like Zelensky, a guy that's joined at the hip with Kolomoisky, the head of Burisma, who could care two cents about Ukraine except for the fact that it's 
a big, huge slush fund and a big, huge laundering operation, rich with uh, certain assets like oil and gas and palladium and some other things and rare earth materials and in comes the military industrial complex, in comes the globalists to profit from them by making false promises that they really can't keep. They irked the attention of Russia. And while these rogue deals were getting out of hand, Russia was observing all of it. And it's not just about national security, it's about profit profitability. The Ukrainian oligarchs were taking up the business of the Russian oligarchs. And so there's business and leverage, you know, in terms of assets. You know, if Ukraine is getting involved in the oil and gas business, that's hurting the bottom line of Russia. They get out the calculator and they figure out how much money they're losing and they're going to put a stop to it. I found myself watching the news and realizing that we have a messed up government because I'm waiting to see that the red line in the sand that the White House is drawing up with regard to Russia asking China for help and Russia's asking China for help. And guess what? They're asking China for help. And if China gives it to them, then what? And so the question was asked, If China helps Russia, then what? And they thought about it, China did, and then they thought again, because you got this NATO alliance that might be rising up and, you know, not liking so much what they're doing. But I thought about it, and the perspective that I came up with organically was sad. It was very sad. Because it used to be that if our government and our country, if our country went to war, we supported our government. Look at the, in the wake of 9-11. You know, people are patriotic by nature. You know, and if they could clearly see an attack and a victim. But in this case, the same people that censored the truckers, the same people that locked up the Trump supporters after January 6th. The same people that rammed masks and um, uh, social distancing and vaccine jabs down our throats just so they can gain control and power over a social credit score system. The same people that freeze your accounts if they disagree with your politics or won't give you a mortgage or a loan. The same people that freeze your GoFundMe uh, donations because you're on the wrong side politically from them. These tyrannical, globalist, socialist, commie bastards like Trudeau are all part of this globalist movement. And they're now telling us who, what side to belong to. And they're basically saying, belong on my side. And it's just not that easy. Like I said earlier, it's not about black hats and white hats. But I found myself looking at this from an interesting perspective, sad. And the sad perspective was, what is the threshold for the government to fold? 
And it shocked me when I thought about it. It's an eternal thought. It was a personal thought. I'm watching the news. I'm, I'm watching the dynamics of whether Russia is going to help uh, China. Uh, I mean, um, whether China is going to help Russia or not. Because Russia doesn't seem to have as much as they, uh, you maybe thought they had, right? They're a little weaker than, than maybe they, you thought they were. Uh, who knows? Maybe Ukraine is fighting more than they ever expected. But really, that's not the point that I'm making here. The point that I'm making here is, you know, as cruel as the government and as aggressive and as tough as the government was, sending their police out to shoot you with rubber bullets in the name of health, right? If you didn't comply with their mask mandates and their jabs and their foreign substances in your arm, they could give you myocarditis and give you a heart attack and what have you. I mean, where the heck is Fauci, by the way? Haven't seen him in 2022, have you? He's gone. Yeah, just in, the, just in time for the State of the Union address and <clears throat> just in time for uh, the election season. But we know exactly, we know what they are capable of. We know what these corporations are capable of. We know that they'll turn their back on you in two seconds. But what is their what is their cow what is their spine made of? So if China were to call and China is probably the only country they could call White Washington's bluff, call Biden's bluff to where Biden's not going to crack down and ruin your life like a tyrannical maniac that he is. And I found myself not really rooting for the good guys, which used to be America, but really looking at it from a tactical perspective and observing our government almost as if they were an adversarial foe and trying to recognize what their breaking point is. And figuring out if China calls their bluff, how quickly will they fold like a cheap suit? Those swineless, spineless, weak-minded, lacking conviction leaders of our country. How quickly will they fold? And what will their next move be? Will they, you know, like a wrestler, will they step to the left? Will they step to the right? Do they lean to the right? Do they lean to the left? What is Jake Sullivan going to do? Our national security advisor. What might Kamala say? Or what kind of, you know, posture are they going to do? And while this war is going on, how much of the southern border are they going to exploit with Mayorkas in the name of cheating and rigging elections? And what kind, of, what, what kind of tactics are they going to do to exploit the refugee crisis? What are the next moves going to be? And I'm looking at this not because I support my government now, but because I want to see what their moves are because I already know that I'm against them. I already know that my government is my adversary. That I have an adversarial relationship with my government. And that to me is sad. It breaks my heart.
breaks my heart. It really does because I never ever felt this way in my life until now. I'm rudderless. I, I don't have a country is where this leads me. That we have a government, we have a country that where we don't respect them, we don't love them, we don't support them. They just take money out of our taxes. They take it right out of our paycheck. They increase the sales tax. They make stupid decisions that right, 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 raise the price of gas. Like I said earlier, um, in the uh, weeks ago and months ago, you know, a lot of these moves are made for profiting. I think that this war that's going to go on in Ukraine is very profitable for people like Kofor Black and Mitt Romney. But Mitt Romney stays up there and he sits up there like in his high horse and he says Tulsi Gabbard is treasonous. Tulsi Gabbard must be held accountable for her treasonous behavior because she questioned the military-industrial complex and she questioned the war because she's clearly said on many occasions that this war easily could have been avoided, that, there, that a ceasefire agreement and a peace agreement, if Trump was able to get peace in the Middle East through the Abraham Accords, Certainly these morons could, who are playing around with NATO and the European Union could put a stop to this. But they, and this is what frustrates me so much. That they want, and this is what Tulsi Gabbard said, they actually want Russia to do what they're doing. <clears throat> and my only point about Russia is not so much uh, what they're doing, but why they're doing it. I think it's a really stupid move on Russia's part to invade Ukraine the way they're doing it. And I, I, I question Putin's judgment on this. Certainly he could work out a better deal, but apparently the West and the globalists aren't, off, aren't committed to making a deal that creates peace. Because what Russia is asking for, I think, is a better deal than than uh, than the alternative of loss of life and loss of infrastructure and the damage that's being done. But this is not a war between uh, re- regions anymore. This is a region. This is not a regional conflict. This is a. Uh, for Russia's view, is an existential conflict where globalists are rising up and emerging, taking a lot of what assets used to be theirs in the USSR and fleecing it right before his eyes and taking it in to their womb of destruction, that new world order. In the wake of COVID, the globalists have gotten super rich the redistribution of wealth from the middle class to the elite has been unprecedented. It's been crushing to the middle class, crushing to the middle class, but super profitable for the globalists. So Kofor Black, we talked about him in the past. 
was good friends with Mitt Romney. And he was an advisor to Mitt Romney in 2008. This Barron's article is from 2007, where he and a guy named Robert Richer helped design the Afghanistan military campaign that toppled the Taliban, and they got rich doing it. And it was back then that Mitt Romney understood the profits of war and the benefits of being close and friendly with the military-industrial complex. Because just like Amy Klobuchar and John McCain and Lindsey Graham were all celebrating New Year's Eve, bringing it in with the Porinchenkos, uh, the president of um, Ukraine, all of his military with their new weapons, holding them in their arms, photographed and videotaped, Lindsey Graham giving speeches about how they're going to get offensive against Russia, to the Ukrainian military, all the while Trump is up in Trump Tower being spied upon by these stupid globalists in his own tower as a, tr- as a transition, as a president-elect in transition. They behind his back do this because from what I've heard, Amy Klobuchar had another guy like Mitt Romney, this guy named Poland, who owned the Minnesota Twins, and he was an investor. And what people like Kofor Black and Robert Richard need in order to fulfill the black market and the military industrial complex is they need upfront money. You need upfront money. You need seed money. Basically, they you need a hundred thousand, or you need a uh, maybe a couple ten million dollar uh, down payment. Say, on the bigger deals, you might need a ten million dollar down payment. Yeah, hundred thousand jump change, but. You know, millions of dollars down payment to get the ball started, to get the weapons manufacturers to start making the molds and and doing all these things. But you better believe they're going to get a return on their investment. Easy money. There's no competition. And you could even get the CFIUS court. And it's not really a court, but, you know, just like Hunter Biden did to actually you'll work and embed himself with China and to work with Ukraine. And if you're an average Joe citizen, or if you're Don Jr., uh, Don Donald Trump Jr., you, you can't get the CFIUS to approve your uh, international business trade if it competes with the government or if it conflicts with their national security interests. But if you're Hunter Biden, high on crack, you'll get that rubber stamp every step of the way. Because the people that sit on the CFIUS court aren't judges. They're cabinet members. They're like uh, John Kerry and, you know, Jay Johnson from National Security, uh, Homeland Security, uh, back in the, oh, the Obama days when these deals were being made. You know, Jay Johnson, now, now we have uh, Mayorkas, who, by the way, Mayorkas is redefining what it is to be an extreme terrorist today. Just in time for the 2022 election. So what they're doing there is Jay Johnson, I mean, not Jay Johnson, uh, Mayorkas. What he's doing is he's redefining what it is to be an extremist. So depending on your view on COVID and depending on your view on election rigging, if you come out on the wrong side, you're considered an extreme view. And you know what they're doing? They're not just, it's not just about policing or arresting you or spying on you. It's a green light 
to say, we could spy on you if you, and we could wiretap your phones and things like that, if you say things and do things on social media that are going to draw our attention because we want to control the narrative. And this is the precursor to the social credit score. This is what the jab was all about. This is what the vaccine passports were all about. Basically, it was a bridge or a gateway to the social credit score system where everybody has their papers and their papers give them a score based on their social media credit and what they say and how nice they are and how compliant they are with the government. And that might impact whether or not you get a loan because at some point, this wild west of censorship needs to be systematically designed, systemized. That's what it has to be. It has to be systemized in order for it to be more effective. And they really kind of lost that battle because of the pushback against the jab, which impacted their ability to advance the social credit score system. So in some way, you could look at that as a small victory. But we shouldn't even be in this arena. We shouldn't even be fighting this fight. But these sick people, these globalists, want to control everything. They want to control your speech. And they're doing it just in time for the election, but it gets even worse. Because the other part and aspect of this isn't just about law enforcement or isn't just about elections, but it's about censorship and it's about you know, somehow systematically working with big tech on censoring you. So, for example, if, if Mayorkas comes out with new guidelines and principles and rules, and we know how much the corporations love the guidelines because we've already seen them do it with the COVID. Guidelines. We're following the guidelines. They're not laws, folks. You don't. But it's a private business, so they could tell you to go hike. I just, you know, I don't understand how they, why people don't want to be free, why liberals don't want to be free. I just don't get it. Or they'll sell out their freedom for profitability, which is what a lot of the globalists are doing. They're selling out the BlackRock. They're selling out to Vanguard. They're selling out to China, all in the name of profits. They're selling out because they want the slave labor. They're selling out because they want that money. They want that boat, that big house. They want that gorgeous girl that they never could get without their money. You know, that kind of thing. But here's the thing. What Mayorkas did, the biggest weapon that Mayorkas did, is Mayorkas paved the way and green-lighted more censorship out of big tech. Gave them an umbrella, gave them a path, gave them guidance, and gave them uh, basically marching orders, albeit informal, to do the right thing. And they've been calling on big tech to do more censoring, not less. So they come out with this this Homeland Security <clears throat> weapon, a set of guidelines that all the big tech social media companies are going to adhere to. And they're going to say, it's not our idea, it's the government's idea. It's their guidelines. We're following these guidelines. It's so easy to do. 
you know, um, I went to the eye, uh, eye doctors yesterday. And it was Vision Works, you know, to get new glasses, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, I had LASIK eye surgery too, but a long time ago. But I have to get some glasses. So I got the glasses. You have to wear a mask in there because they're considered health-oriented. And, uh, you know, it's Vision Works in a mall. But yet still, you got to wear a mask. Guidelines, you know, got to listen to the guidelines. It's absolutely disturbing and crazy at the same time. So I said this. I said to, I have a picture of Mitt Romney and I have a picture of Kofor Black together. And I said, I wonder what J.D. Vance and Evan McMullen think of draft dodging Mitt Romney calling out Tulsi Gabbard as treasonous for simply questioning the war. They are neocon globalists who profit from their military industrial complex black market deals, investments, and big gov contracts. And uh, this uh, person, Bowtide Ranger, uh, I love this little tweet. It says, Alpha Energy Prevents War. It's a picture of Putin and and, uh, Trump getting together, and Trump reaches out and grabs Putin's hand, and they're shaking hands, and Trump pulls Putin toward him, and I love it. Two alpha males. Two alpha males make greater peace. I said the Ukraine-Russia peace talks, Ukraine's weakening position, China-U.S. proxy war in Ukraine, Federal Reserve rate hike, Alabama cancels concealed carry requirements. That was the headline of our substack from yesterday. But what's interesting about it is... As Ukraine's position weakens, their leverage at the bargaining table weakens. And NATO uh, is now uh, going to wage a stunt uh, today, I think it is, where they're going to have three NATO leaders standing in Kiev in the uh, the face of missiles and bombs. And somehow it's going to be like the Tiananmen Square moment, you know, where the kid stands in front of the the tank. So we'll see. The 2007 uh, Barron's article says the front lines of global investing. The Middle East hardly looks like a haven for money. It leads the world in the mass production of bloodshed and offers at least 57 varieties of hatred. So if you concluded that the region would be the last place to invest some of your hard-earned hard-won investment cash, then you would be categorically wrong. And Robert Richer, the CEO of Total Intelligence Solutions in Arlington, Virginia, where I live, says, I'd be, I'd be investing in Jordan. The Jordan uh, that abuts Israel, Palestinian, Syria, and Iraq? And he said, yes, this is in 2007. So it's that kind of thing. Now, I have a lot of things I want to get to today, but uh, I, w- I did want to play this Tucker Carlson uh, audio clip. And uh, he talks about Zelensky. And uh, I just want you to take a listen. All right. Right here. 
Napoli, agreeing not to join NATO. In exchange for that, he would get a Russian withdrawal from Ukraine. Now, there's nothing inherently controversial about Zelensky's idea. Ukraine was not on the cusp of joining NATO anyway. NATO officials have long said they don't want Ukraine to join. It's not clear whose interests would be served by Ukraine joining NATO. So if accepting the status quo, going with the way things already were and were always going to be, if doing that convinces Putin to stop killing Ukrainians and spares Ukraine from total and complete destruction, maybe it's not a crazy idea. Maybe Zelensky is on to something. He certainly thought about it a lot. Maybe we ought to congratulate Zelensky for acting wisely on behalf of the country he leads. This could be a win for him and for the entire world. Probably not a lot of American media outlets will describe it that way, however. Indeed, by mentioning NATO, a topic that is completely off-limits in American media, Zelensky may have gone too far. Daily, in every possible venue, we are told that NATO is, paradoxically, both of its central importance to the United States and, at the same time, irrelevant to what happens in Eastern Europe. So years of talk about expanding NATO into Ukraine, and we've watched those happen in public, that had nothing whatsoever to do with Russia invading Ukraine. Nothing at all. That's what they tell us. Putin invaded Ukraine because he's bad. End of conversation. And anyone who says otherwise, anyone who suggests there might be a way out of this disaster short of total war, anyone who says that is immediately denounced as a tool of Russian propaganda. So what does that mean? It means that by acknowledging that NATO expansion is what Putin seems to care about most, Zelensky is, by definition, at least in this country, repeating Russian talking points. That would make the president of Ukraine a Putin collaborator. Sound insane? Well, then you can still think clearly. But that's the state of play. How do we know this? Let's just say we've lived it. We've made the point repeatedly that forcing Ukraine into NATO will in no way serve the interests of the United States and, in fact, could hurt us here in ways from which we will never recover. And by the way, talking about it doesn't seem to have helped Ukraine either. For saying that, and that's all we've said, here's the reaction we've received. And this is just a small selection. We could do a full hour on it, but here's a clip. What seems to be almost the Putin wing of the Republican <laughs> Party, uh, which, which to be fair, is not Highly not prevalent much on Capitol Hill, but we've seen Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, the uh, basically repeat Russian propaganda night after night. What the hell is going on? Well, first of all, before they fell in love with Putin, they fell in love with Orban and Hungary. Make America great again meant let's make America more like Hungary. And the most popular Republican broadcaster in America, Tucker Carlson, are both unabashed fans of Putin. And there are very few Republicans out there like Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney who have the courage to call them out. This is a disgrace. How anybody in this country which loves freedom can side with Vladimir Putin, which is an oppressor, a dictator. He kills people. He imprisons his political opponents. He has been an adversary of America at every chance he's had. It's unthinkable to be. It's, it's almost treasonous. Oh, almost treasonous. Siding with Putin. Who's siding with Putin? I haven't seen anybody do that. I've seen a few people try to side with the United States. And that, says Mitt Romney, a man who got four deferments to keep himself out of the Vietnam War, that is almost treasonous. What's so interesting, we don't want to pick on Mitt Romney here. It's too easy. 
But it does seem like if you take a step back, that the very same people who spent the last, say, two years telling us that this country, our country, is inherently sinful and racist and disgusting and born in iniquity, those same people, the ones who lecture you about how there's something inherently wrong with you if you live here, were born here, those same people have been the very quickest, the very first to whip around and accuse anyone who wants to save the United States from yet another pointless war, a war that they would never fight in and nor their children, accuse those people of being unpatriotic. Well, you don't love America enough, says the man who thinks America is racist. How does that work exactly? We're not sure, but in case you've forgotten, here's the very same Mitt Romney marching with the very same people who told us that this is a white supremacist hellhole. And by the way, we've got to do away with the nuclear family. That's never done anybody any good. Here he is. A way to end violence and brutality and to make sure that people understand that Black Lives Matter. So, okay, it's just Mitt Romney. Never a genius, obviously deep in the grip of some late life crisis, licking his wounds from being beaten by Obama in 2012. Okay. But it's not just Mitt Romney. Imagine how you would feel if you were a business owner in Kenosha or Minneapolis or Atlanta or Louisville. If you were someone who, I don't know, used to go to St. John's Church in Washington, D.C. or someone who works in the federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon before BLM torched all of it. You're long accustomed to knowing that your leaders don't really care about you. But when they reveal that they actively hate you, that's hard to take. So, of course, Mitt Romney is debasing himself, degrading himself in order to be liked in Washington. Yeah, we've seen that, of course. But it's deeper than that. Needless to say, the people Mitt Romney wants to like him, his new masters, were not satisfied with him marching with BLM or denouncing his critics as almost treasonous. They want more. They won't be satisfied until every Republican in the U.S. Senate is wholly indistinguishable from Chris Hayes. And they're getting pretty close. On Sunday, yesterday, Mitt Romney edged a little closer. Here's what he wrote to Tulsi Gabbard. Now, Tulsi Gabbard is a former member of Congress who currently serves as lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve and, unlike Mitt Romney, has been deployed. Quote, Tulsi Gabbard is parroting false Russian propaganda. Her treasonous lies may well cost lives. Treasonous lies have cost lives, potentially. So you're betraying your country and committing murder. So what exactly did Tulsi Gabbard do? Did she call for a violent overthrow of the United States government? Did she come out and pledge allegiance to Putin? Did she get a Cyrillic tattoo on her neck? No, she didn't. What she said is, we have a problem. Here's how we know. She cited publicly available information and said we should probably deal with that problem. But in case, here you have Mitt Romney, who was a consultant, for God's sakes, accusing someone who's been in the army for nearly two decades of treason. People didn't used to talk that way. Treason is a death penalty offense. It's absurd on its face. But if you watch the video that got Mitt Romney to call a fellow American treasonous and suggest she was committing murder, it really makes your head spin. Here's what Tulsi Gabbard actually said that made Mitt Romney accuse her of betraying her own country. Watch. Here are the undeniable facts. There are 25 to 30 U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine. According to the U.S. government, these biolabs are conducting research on dangerous pathogens. 
Ukraine is in an active war zone with widespread bombing, artillery and shelling. And these facilities, even in the best of circumstances, could easily be compromised and release these deadly pathogens. Yeah, she hates our country because she's worried that a pathogen might escape from a biolab and hurt people. There's no recent precedent for that, so she's clearly listening to Alex Jones too much, and she's treasonous. Actually, everything that Tulsi Gabbard said, as you know, is true. It's not a Republican issue, it's not a Democrat issue, it's a factual issue. And even in war, truth is a defense. In fact, it's the only defense. Is it true? And in a free country, you can speak the truth. That right can never be taken away, or else it's not a free country. But by the way, since we're speaking of facts, the director of the U.S. Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, a man who would know, a man called Robert Pope, has confirmed that scientists are keeping Soviet-era pathogens for research purposes in Ukraine. They told us they were destroying them. They should have destroyed them, but they haven't. What could go wrong in an active war zone? And they knew that those pathogens existed and were being experimented upon, researched, and they didn't secure them before the Russians invaded, though they knew the Russian invasion was coming because they told us. And then Tori Newland, the Undersecretary of State who oversees this disaster, testified under oath that yes, Russian forces might seize those biolabs in Ukraine and we should all be very worried about that possibility. And we should, we should. And uh, you know, we're running out of time today, but uh, this is pretty much uh, uh, the point I wanted to make is that Mitt Romney should be ashamed of himself for questioning Tulsi Gabbard's views on the biolabs. Uh, you know, Wuhan Institute is called a biolab. And yet, look what it's done to the world in the last few years. Hey, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. And uh, just want to remind everybody uh, to sign up for our free. Uh, it's free now. And it will be free to you as uh, you subscribe uh, you'll be get free access to our what will be uh, premium content for the remainder of the year, all the way till the end of the year, at least. And uh, so you just sign up for the newsletter. Every day, what we're putting together are the sources that uh, and the information that went into the show, and we're laying out the show, we're laying out the podcast, and it gets delivered to your email address. Uh, and what we're doing is we're actually giving you the source information to what that I use to put the show together. Um, and that is all free. And uh, just go to scottadamshow.substack.com. Be sure to use Red State over at MyPillow and check out magapack.org for the latest America First policy push. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.